0: flushcarecom weightloss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Cyber Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt, and with me today is Agatha Adamiak. I think I got that wrong. Agatha, please feel free to correct me. <laughs> pronounce <laughs> no. Is it close? It's, it's very close. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's Agatha Ag-
0: yeah. yeah, I was just practicing just before we first record um, and Agatha was uh, telling me how to pronounce her name correctly. And I think I still managed not to get it 100%, but I did try. Um, and we're going to be discussing all things data-driven today so it comes up a lot on the podcast just in marketing life what does it mean to be data-driven so that is a topic that Agatha and I are going to break down together um, and explore a little bit so we can explore what it means to be data-driven and maybe how you can become data-driven maybe if you feel like you're not data-driven already or if you feel you are data-driven maybe there's some areas here that we can help you improve so welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Scott. Um, um, thank you very much for having me. And it's a pleasure to, uh, to be on the podcast today. My name is Agata Adamiak uh, and I set up Business Ahead. Um, after working first in web development and then wider digital marketing and then as a web analyst and conversion rate optimization specialist. So in my job roles, I pioneered the web analytics division at Brother and at Ocean Finance, and I ran a conversion rate optimization programme for the post office. So what I really enjoyed at all of these companies was being involved in the massive change that was happening there. All these companies were successful, well-established companies, but traditionally not very data-driven. So, for me, it was fascinating to see how they were transforming. There were some similarities and some differences between each and how they wanted to achieve the competitive advantage that comes from being data-driven. And I also started to do a bit of research into their different methods and techniques But the information that was out there wasn't quite hitting the mark for me. So there were technical Google Analytics audits that focused on how to make your data technically reliable. There was advice for companies that were already doing some optimization, but the companies that I was speaking to had quite different needs. What they were lacking was the clarity, uh, which steps to take first, how to move that dial, Do you start with data? How much should you commit to it? Which tools you need? Uh, Should you invest in training? What else is there and what exactly you can achieve and how high can you aim? So this is where I decided to build my own process where I combine the support and education together with the technical know-how and the actual profit generating insights from data. With this system, my clients can see the big picture and the steps they need to take. And they are also very quickly motivated with my initial results that are designed to provide immediate value. I think my in-house experience at established and multinational brands gives me the appreciation for how these companies work and what they value. Their culture can be quite complex. There might be complex stakeholder relationships, So with my framework, I take into account all aspects of my clients' marketing and sales data to highlight the best opportunities that they value. And I also work on the frequency of my clients. I make sure that I challenge and I guide, but I also work together with them to move at a pace that is achievable. So... My goal with business ahead is for website data to be accessible and to provide the clarity needed to impact sales um, so yeah I'll, I'll be happy to share some tips today on how to do that
0: amazing thank you and just that that last sentence that you touched on there because my next question for you was going to be to ask you how would you summarize data driven and what it means to be data driven both the widely accepted definition of that, but then also your personal definition. So it sounds like that ties in nicely with your last sentence there.
1: Sure, yeah. So in essence, uh, data-driven means following insights and evidence rather than intuition when making decisions. Data-driven is a mindset and a culture that needs to happen throughout the business, but it also requires the right tools and data architecture to enable those decisions to be made. So having opinions is quite inevitable in life, but being data-driven is having the ability to recognize that you have these opinions and say, is there any data to support them? How can I test whether I'm right or wrong? And what impact will my decision have on the customer experience and eventually on my bottom line? When you ask these questions, then you can begin to take action. So, the goal of using data should be to understand and to serve customers better. And when you become customer-centric, you are in a better position to get higher profits. So, to give you an example, Scott, um, let's talk about forms. There are a lot of opinions on how many fields should be included in forms, which fields to include, how to how to phrase their privacy tick box, that kind of thing. The general assumption is that fewer form fields are better, but you can also get some pressure from the sales team to include more form fields so they can qualify prospects quicker. Also, you may have some opinions on uh, your audience. You may think that you know your audience really, really well and know which forms will put them off and which forms will encourage them more. But the fact is you only ever know for sure if you test your opinions. There is so many examples online of uh, surprising A-B tests where, where the test just went completely different than anticipated. So um, when you measure, take into account not just how many people fill it out, but also how many of these visitors are the type of leads you really want to hear from and how many of them actually turn into sales. The version that wins might just surprise you. Uh, So to answer your question, being data-driven means you are aware that your gut is not always right and you need to do some testing to find out.
0: So it sounds like then one of the key benefits of being data-driven is the ability to test assumption. So it's not to ignore the assumption and it's not to dismiss assumption, it's to test it. But are there any other benefits of data-driven marketing and data-driven environments beyond just the testing of assumptions that you see regularly in your field? Yes, of
1: course. I mean, the benefits are quite clear. The data-driven companies, on average, grow faster. They often dominate their sectors and create new markets. And to be honest, people generally know that the proof is all around us. Look at companies like Google, Netflix, Mm. Amazon. These companies provide superior customer service, and this comes from understanding their customers. But you hear these success stories, uh, and they are not always very relatable especially for companies new to this. Mm -hmm. It can seem a bit out of reach. Um, But what I have seen is that even when you're just starting and you embrace insights, you can start to increase online sales and reduce costs, giving you tangible results. So the encouraging truth is that you can start small, a small amount of clean and trustworthy data, can be more valuable than a lot of data that you can't really make sense of.
0: Well, I'm glad you said you can start small there because that leads me nicely into how to become data-driven. We've defined what it means to be data-driven there a little bit, but how can a company that wants to become data-driven, maybe they're not data-driven already, how can they take the first steps? Where do they start?
1: So for me, actually, when you're just getting started, the opportunities are higher. Uh, There are probably things that are not quite working uh, as they should. And um, you might not even know how they are affecting you. Uh, But the first step for me is with mindset rather than with the data. So this mindset has to come from the top of the organization, really, if you want to become data driven. If you're part of that leadership team, you need to show and live by the data-driven principles. Mm. So, here, let me give you some um, practical tips on what people can do. Uh, avoid, first of all, of course, avoid using opinion for decisions. Mm. Use the data that you have available and make the most informed decision based on that data. Avoid short-term tactics in favor of long-term sustainable strategy. Encourage innovation and actually celebrate failure. Realize that failure means learning. It's not just about aiming for big wins all the time. Don't put too much pressure to launch campaigns and new developments quickly. Appreciate the fact that you need to have the discovery and analysis phase first. And when you do launch campaigns, have a post-mortem with your team. Find out how it went and how you can do it even better next time. So these activities, you don't have to start all of them at once. Uh, They can gradually become part of the workflow. What is important at the beginning is to embrace that mindset and to be prepared that this is what it will take. Traditionally, we tend to favour action over thinking, but the new mindset requires that we appreciate taking the time to evaluate and take a step back to consider our options.
0: I love that. And uh, I want that to sit with the listeners for a bit before I do move on to this next question, because I don't want to dismiss the mindset part. I think that's really important. It's something in my experience that I've seen and felt too. Having said that, just for the purpose of the podcast, assuming that there is a company out there, they have that mindset, they have that data-driven mentality and leadership qualities in their team, what are some next steps that those businesses can take?
1: Sure. So when, when you've got the mindset there um, and I start working with clients, I follow a three-stage process and it's called induction, transformation, evolution. So To give you some ideas for what a company uh, can start with, let me outline what we do in the induction phase. It's essentially getting you set up with all the basics you need to get started and giving you a roadmap for what to do next. So first of all, um, you have to set your goals and develop a measurement strategy. You probably want to increase sales. Most companies do. But what is your strategy for doing it? Is it new sales, or are you trying to promote repeat business? Is it coming from a specific product category, or maybe you want your goals to be centered around how well you're actually supporting your users after they make uh, after they've made a purchase? So be very intentional about what exactly you're trying to achieve. Then map out your user journeys to see what role your website and digital channels are going to play in achieving those goals. With that, you should start seeing the metrics that will achieve or contribute to your goals. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you want to attract new business, you could measure purchases from new customers, but also things like account registrations and the number of new visitors. If you want to promote a particular product category, you can measure specific product sales, but also category page and product page views. So this is the measurement strategy. And once you've got that, you need to see what data you currently have and how it's set up to measure your goals. This part is more technical and it involves looking at your Web analytics data as well as the other sources of data that you've got from CRM, advertising platforms, social media, email marketing, that sort of thing. Um, you need to see what you have and how well it's integrated. Most people don't uh, actually know that the time an average web analyst spends is 80% spent on cleaning and Processing data and actually just 20% doing the analysis. This is such a great waste and it can be fixed by having the right foundation. So save your analysts some time and save yourself some money by having the right setup. My technical specialization is in Google analytics. And I've developed an audit that evaluates that tool in detail for the analysis of customer behavior online. Over the years, I've refined this method for auditing Google Analytics. And most recently, it also looks at Google Analytics 4, which is the latest version. What I found with most audit reports was that they were too technical for business stakeholders. and Because of that, they very rarely got actioned. Uh, you need the technical detail, but you also need the business context. The way I structure my reports makes it easy to see that big picture and the detail. So, in the report, I like to group all the checks that I do according to what purpose a given feature has. So, um, when you're when you're doing your own audits, you can use the same kind of grouping, and I'll give you a summary of it. So, it's data reliability security, user journey tracking, e-commerce tracking, audience insights, attribution, integration with CRM and other data sources, and finally, ease of analysis. And each of these sections is scored and each, of each action is listed and prioritized. So as a result, the report ser- serves as a clear roadmap of what to do and in which order. You get the big picture? and you get the detail to pass on to your implementation specialist. And if you're planning these changes in-house, make sure that the person auditing the data can keep that business context in mind. In essence, ensure that you are able to reliably track your key and supporting metrics from the measurement plan you created earlier. And there is one more thing that I do during the induction phase. The companies that I work with are quite new to data analysis. So I show them the insights that are available based on their existing data. Mm. Usually there is already some data that is available to review. It might be website behavior data or it might be channel data. We're not really biased towards any one marketing tactic or channel. So we evaluate what each client is already doing and what their competitors are doing to highlight things they can do now and get quicker results. Uh, To give you an example, uh, Scott, one client was investing in paid advertising. But when we looked at their campaigns, we saw that their adverts often cannibalized their organic traffic. They were actually paying money to drive people away from the very relevant organic listings that they had, and their paid listings, well, were less relevant than the organic results. So by combining the analysis of organic and paid channels, we were able to spot that and suggest specific actions for how to amend their paid campaigns. They could then take these insights into their advertising partner and action it with them. I find this step of generating immediate insights is really valuable for my clients because the companies that I work with have not really seen tangible result, return on investment from digital. Huh. So the confidence levels are quite low for making drastic changes and major new investments. This confidence needs to be built gradually and at a pace that pushes them, but that is manageable for them as well. So, essentially, here are the steps, the mindset, the measurement strategy, the data audit, the quick wins. The mindset needs to come from the client. Uh, And I package the other three as the digital growth blueprint. Once you've got that initial roadmap set up, you can then move on to the transformation and the evolution phase. Now, you asked me about the first step, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but I just wanted to kind of summarize what these two different phases are about. Um, In transformation, uh, you follow the roadmap by putting it in place and putting in place all the tools and the workflows to drive more insights and empower your team. So we implement the web analytics audit, we automate reports, we apply governance, and we upskill the team with workshops, regular run-throughs, and uh, check-ins. And then finally in evolution, you build on that workflow and you adjust and refine as you go along. So we implement a test and learn program, we cultivate the data, we provide ongoing support, and ultimately grow sales So you grow more and more with each iteration and you become data-driven.
0: That's such a robust process there. And there's quite a lot to break down, but I am really interested, particularly in the, you talked a little bit about the mindset. Actually, maybe let's just start there. So I'm interested to know the blockers and struggles that can prevent companies from becoming data-driven as you go through that process. And I assume that the mindset is one of the biggest obstacles and actually yeah, potentially yeah. that, it, you know, if businesses don't have the right, the correct mindset from a leadership position, that must be really difficult to overcome, maybe even impossible. Maybe you can elaborate on that for me. Explain to me the obstacles that you overcome as part of that process and maybe a little bit about how you approach overcoming them.
1: Yeah, it it, it can be really difficult if a person in a position of power in a company is not following that mindset and mm. um, they can be criticizing a failed attempt at something or they could be putting a pressure to keep launching new campaigns without proper analysis i'd say uh, probably the other stakeholders in the company are usually the ones that are best positioned to mediate that situation Um, I I usually work with companies that already display at least some of that mindset. It might not be across all the teams, uh, but if I start working with one team and the others are look like they can be open to that, uh, then we can get somewhere. Uh, But outside of the mindset, there is also other common challenges. I find that business leaders tend to overestimate the quality of their data or they see all data equally. So they skip the induction phase and go straight to the transformation phase. There are a few different specializations and key activities in the field of web data analytics, and people don't really differentiate between them. Uh, So in general, there are three activities. There is data strategy data implementation and data analysis. Each actually requires a different skill set and each activity is required at a different stage. So often a data analyst is hired when the foundation is simply not there. They will get frustrated and they may lack the technical acumen to get to the insights. Other times the implementation specialist uh, will be hired when there is no measurement strategy. So they will likely get to work and appear to be doing a great job for some time. But cracks may start to show when you actually need them or somebody else to use the data for analysis. Hmm. Um, and it's simply because the data is not organized with a business context in mind. When I started working with clients, they often say that their Google Analytics is already configured but to be honest, nine times out of 10, it's not really sufficient or even reliable enough to start an optimization program. So if you take anything away from this podcast, it's this, don't skip the measurement plan. Mm-hmm.
0: Do not skip the measurement plan. That's something that um, we talk about a lot at Site visibility internally. It's interesting on the podcast. Sometimes this comes up and we reference old podcasts. But I was introduced to measurement planning from Avanesh Kushik, who was um, who was on the podcast many, many moons ago. And I might even link to this in the show notes. Um he has mm-hmm. a number of Probably decade-old blog posts now, which introduce people to measurement planning and that entire process, which can be really helpful.
1: And yeah, actually, I, I, I started sorry. to learn from him as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, this kind of the godfather of analytics. Um, I'm going to move into the aspects of learning and looking at this data-driven topic through the lens of marketers and how they can learn to become more data-driven themselves. So, speaking on the characteristics of data-driven marketers here. Firstly, do you think that becoming data-driven is a skill that you can learn, perhaps if you aren't an analyst already, or it hasn't up until this point been a natural part of your skill set? How do you think people can learn that skill, and if so, how can they learn it? And maybe talk a little bit about how you learned to become data-driven in your career.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I do think you can learn it. Um, of course, it helps if you're already in a data-driven environment, if you're surrounded by the people that strive to look at data and not be just led by opinions. It is an organizational culture, and as your leadership embraces it, it will trickle down because the data-driven actions will be rewarded and opinions will be called out Uh, But on a personal level, I think it helps if you have the curiosity and you can be open to change. I love to learn and strive to develop and make myself not only a better web analyst and marketer, but also a better business person. So when it comes to data analysis, where you get better with time is by having more and more context So that's where the different data analysis fields come through, you know, because you can be a data analyst specializing in web analytics, but there are healthcare data analysts, there are uh, physics data analysts, uh, and so on um but you, you get better by having more and more context within your field mm-hmm. so i learn by working with clients by reading books and by listening to podcasts like this one for example <laughs> um having more uh, context uh, i feel having more context makes me a better analyst mm. and uh, i get more exposed to problems and solutions that have worked in the past
0: mm. That's really interesting. but well, I'm going to come back to that maybe in a moment as we close out the episode. But a couple of other questions around this topic first, just before we do close out. Based on everything that you've just said, I think I know the answer to this question. But do you think you have to be an analyst to be data driven? But it sounds like your view on that is going to be absolutely not. You can be a, a marketer in any type of role and still be data driven. And in fact, that's going to become more important over time. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a web analyst. Is that fair?
1: Uh, I think that's very fair, yeah. Um, I think an analyst is a job, but anyone can be analytical mm. in their job. Uh, I know it might not come naturally to many people. That's why, uh, for example, when I work with clients in the transformation phase, I don't just provide the company-specific tools and dashboards and governance, but I also conduct workshops and teach employees how to use these tools and how to find answers to questions in data. So once you have the right governance and tools in place, you can see the journey towards insights that happened in the past as well. You start to gain the skills and it can make many other job roles better, not just uh, a pure analyst job.
0: And that leads really nicely to my next question, which again, I think I know the answer to myself, but for (laughs) for the purpose of a podcast format, it's a really interesting one to cover. And that's, does being data-driven stifle creativity? What's your view on that topic?
1: Um, Well, traditionally, a lot of people got into marketing because it's been seen as a creative field. It's a common perception that data is killing creativity as well. Um, In business, it's important to focus on the big picture. But the easiest things to measure are micro-conversions, the small interactions that happen on your website, the pages you visited, and even with a little bit of effort, how deep people scroll down the different pages and which videos were watched. But in companies that are just starting to move towards becoming data-driven, this could lead to focusing on these metrics over everything else. Uh, But when you do, you focus on the tactics, not necessarily on the strategy. This false perception can sometimes lead to cutting spend on pure brand building activity. I've recently started working with a client who produces heavy machinery and replacement parts for industries like rail, automotive, etc. So they want to start using data in decision making. And in our initial discussions, they tended to ask questions about bounce rates and clicks. They wanted to know the detail. Yes, I do look at these, but where data was pointing me towards with them was that customers were just not really responding very well to their messaging. Mm. So it's the creative that wasn't working. It's still something we're working on, and uh, I learn uh, more and more about their customers through research and testing. But I think creativity and data should go hand in hand. Uh, Very often, creativity provides the basis for testing, and then you have the data to show what actually worked, and it's basically a team effort.
0: And on that team effort point, and you mentioned this just a moment ago as well, you talked about context. So my final question for you in closing is – and this comes from a place of curiosity myself, having been in this position where I've seen data-driven marketers work with non-data-driven marketers – I've seen the successful side of that. And I've also seen the difficult side of that. So if you're a data-driven marketer out there that's attempting to build relationships and communicate more effectively with non-data-driven marketers, marketers that just aren't as far along in that journey, what are some of your tips? What's your advice for data-driven marketers to work more effectively with non-data-driven marketers?
1: Yeah. Well, clearly, I love data and I'm very <laughs> passionate about it. But actually, I think that data has the power to bring teams together rather than mm-hmm. cause divisions. I think divisions are created by biased opinions that you have no way of validating. But once you can see the data behind a certain behavior or a trend, you can start to see and rally around facts Also, a clear measurement strategy, again, gives everyone focus. You know what you're working towards and everyone can play their own unique role in making it happen. Uh, For example, when I worked at Brother, uh, it was a role at the European headquarters. So the entire European team was very diverse. And I run a web analytics training program there as part of my responsibilities, This was a wonderful tool to set and communicate common goals for everyone, whether they worked on creatives, product marketing or in web development. When you're trying to use data to connect teams, make sure that it's accessible to everyone and that everyone is clear on the goals you're trying to achieve. It also helps to use the same language, make sure that marketing and sales have the same definition of what a prospect or what a lead is. Many companies have their own way of referring to things. Mm -hmm. So make sure these conventions are company-wide rather than changing from team to team. And lastly, when you share findings, don't just share their final actions, but also share how you got to these outcomes. Hearing that story really help multidisciplinary teams to get behind ideas.
0: Wonderful. That's some excellent advice there in the end. And I totally agree with your point. And I think that's a really nice way to close the episode is that being data-driven can actually unify marketers and unify teams and get you all on the same page to achieve whatever that final goal is. And before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, business ahead, and um, yeah, just to connect with you in the future?
1: Sure. Thank you very much. Um, I've actually created a page, especially for your listeners. Wonderful. So if you wanted to find out more about my process and about, and about the other two stages that I just touched upon, you can download some resources about the framework there and the pages businessahead.co.uk forward slash IMP, so IMP for Internet Marketing Podcast. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, And you can follow Business Ahead on LinkedIn
0: and on Twitter. Perfect. Well, I'm going to thank you for your time. It's a great way to start my day. Um, I'll have all of the links to all of that information and anything else we've discussed today in the show notes. For now, I'll say thank you for your time. And this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care.